When we die, the end of consciousness is upon us, and we cannot experience what happens amongst those who succeeded us. Life cycles endlessly, and we are a part of this process, so we enjoy the here and now and do not look for a fictive afterlife. Peter H. Gilmore, the High Priest of the Church of Satan. Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. This week, we are wrapping up our suite of episodes on the afterlife by kind of talking about any religious belief that doesn't really fit neatly into the idea of heaven or hell or reincarnation. So just kind of like the outliers and the weird stuff. Yes. Which, sadly, there's not too much of, but... Just just a little bit. I feel like most of what we're going to talk about is a little bit of uh, Satanism. Awesome. Yeah. We got not so much a religion, but maybe a lack thereof with uh, agnosticism and atheism. And mm-hmm. Gray's going to talk a little bit about Heaven's Gate. So yeah. We got, got a little mix here. Um, but yeah, I, I looked it up. I was looking through all kinds of stuff. It's kind of an odd thing to Google, like what religions don't believe in an afterlife. And mostly what I found was, um, as far as a religion goes, was Satanism. Um, turns out Satanism doesn't really have a set of beliefs about the afterlife. Um, you heard it in the cold open, but we'll say it again here. So the current high priest of the Church of Satan, Peter H. Gilmore, said... Quote, when we die, the end of consciousness is upon us and we cannot experience what happens amongst those who succeed us. Life cycles endlessly and we are part of this process. So we enjoy the here and now and do not look for a fictive afterlife. Um, hmm. so yeah, kind of one of the few, really one of the only that I found that just straight up thinks that like when we die, that's just it. And we're just done. Right. And, you know, that kind of accords with my own personal beliefs in the afterlife as well. I think you just, once you die, it's like closing your eyes, everything goes black and that's just, that's it. It's gone. Wow. Gone, but not forgotten. That's, you know, it, well, it did like, so I know Satanism gets a pretty bad rap and it's really not (laughs) as bad as most people think that it is. I think like I understand people are like, Oh, they worship Satan. Um, But even in this, particular belief like i feel like some people would be like oh of course like they don't believe there's an afterlife they're just like dark and spooky um right any fans of gray's anatomy i'll say dark and twisty you guys know <laughs> i don't know but y'all didn't expect me to be a fan of that <laughs> oh um but really it kind of sounded like basically them believing that means that they really put a pressure to enjoy life while they're living Um, right. Which I don't know is not a bad way to think of it. I think if you think that when you die, that's it. And you kind of lose consciousness and you're no longer part of this living world, then that does put a lot of pressure to really make the most out of your life, which that's not a bad thing. Oh yeah. I mean, even we can both attest to growing up Catholic, like the idea of like Catholic guilt, you always just feel like 
if you're enjoying something, it's probably a sin and you're probably going to hell. <laughs> yeah. And if you lived your whole life believing that, like you would miss out on so much, you would just like, you would die not having lived a really full life because you've just been so scared of going to hell that you've actually like missed your life by looking forward and looking at the next thing. It's kind of like, you know, people who are always anxious about tomorrow don't like live the day better because they're just waiting for like the, the, the hammer of tomorrow to fall. And I just, I don't know. I just feel like it can, it can distract you and distract you from like the beauty all around us and our everyday lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And they even talked a little bit about how their belief or lack of belief in the afterlife um, affects how they celebrate the dead. They, Gilmore again says, uh, we know that such ceremonials have no benefit for us once we've died. Many Satanists may decide not to plan on any sort of services or memorials, leaving that up to those who survive them. Um, And it was kind of mentioned in the article that I read that sort of like the any ceremony or memorial that does happen for people who have died is very uniquely tailored to that person. Mm. So I would imagine a lot less of like kind of the stiff, just plain funerals where you're just talking about how you love the person and how great they were and maybe more of a specific activity or event that you would really know that they would love that kind of fits in with their personality and their passions and their hobbies, um, hmm. which is probably how a lot of that stuff should be more often anyways, like less of a stiff ceremony and more of like a celebration of life. Right. I can get behind that. Yeah. So I don't know. I kind of like the idea that there's a lot more focus on life and celebrating that person and not this, I don't know, I guess what you'd almost expect from an outsider, not knowing much about Satanism, you would maybe kind of expect it just to be dark and dreary but that's actually really like a light way to think of it. Like, oh, let's focus on how this person was when they were living and celebrate all the things that they did and not be this drab, sad funeral. Hmm. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So tell us a little bit about the uh, Heaven's Gate. Oh, man. So for anybody who doesn't know, um, Heaven's Gate was a cult. Um, these two, the two like leaders of Heaven's Gate were the Applewhites. Um, they were a kind of wild, like, like combination of UFO enthusiasts and like new age spiritualists, but with a cult. Um, mm when you look at like some of their branding and stuff, it, it's very like nineties sci-fi kind of like, it's kind of tacky and it, it looks like, it looks like a fake cult that you would make up for a movie and you'd be like, okay, mm-hmm. that can't be real, <laughs> but they were very real. Um, so they existed. Um, it was, let's see, founded in 1974 and they all committed mass suicide in 1997 Um, so they believed that, um, they were going to have to leave their physical bodies behind, commit suicide, um, in order to release their souls or their consciousness so that they could ascend to quote the level above human 
is how they, um, they, they described it or the level of existence above human, which their souls would then go up and attach to the, uh, Haley Bop comet that was coming by in 1997, um, which Whoa. they believed was a UFO and they were going to be sort of like absorbed into this UFO and live out the rest of eternity in this like alien spacecraft or like not even in the alien spacecraft, but the craft was going to bring them to a further existence where the, the aliens lived and they were going to then live out the rest of their lives as like, or not even the rest of their lives, but like the rest of existence as like this level above human consciousness thing. Hmm. Um, they all had, I think it was $5 and 75 cents in their pocket, which is an apocryphal thing that it's from, it's from, um, the, uh, what's his name? Huckleberry Finn, that book, Huckleberry Finn. Oh. You talk about how it costs $5 and 75 cents to like ride a comet or something. So Whoa. they all had five seventy-five in their pocket. Um, they all dressed in identical kind of outfits, like this black outfit, and they all had this very specific type of Nike shoe on that were all brand new. They drank phenobarbital and put plastic bags over their heads and then all laid down in beds. And Jesus. Um, yeah, it's pretty intense, pretty wild. Um, yeah. And kind of an interesting, like... What, what 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 drew me to the Heaven's Gate thing when we were researching this was a lot of like ancient religions that we don't know much about, like obviously not like, you know, Judaism or Christianity. They're kind of like specifically religions where it's like centered around one God or one like deity. They call it like the cult of whatever, Ishtar, the cult of Ishtar. Um, and so it got me thinking that like a lot of religions start as cults. Like it's like indistinguishable from a cult and right. who's to say that like the Applewhite's belief in ascending to a level above human and living out the rest of your lives after riding a UFO with aliens, how is that any more patently ridiculous than ascending into heaven and sitting at the right hand of God forever? or right. a cycle of reincarnation. Like we only think it's crazy because they committed mass suicide, but I don't know. I just feel like it's, it got me thinking about the concept of the afterlife and like, Oh wow. Like we only think that some afterlives are like normal or like mainstream because we've lived with it our whole lives. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, who's to say maybe they're still, maybe they're there. Maybe they did ascend to the level above conscious and they're, living on a UFO somewhere in a galaxy far, far away. Right. Yeah, that's ultimately the biggest thing with any of this is that, like, if it seems a little bit wild to believe one and not believe that the other could be possible, like, even what who's to say that they can't all be true? They could all be true. We don't know. Right. There could be right. multiple different gods and there could be multiple different afterlives that coincide with what you personally believe or what you're personally hoping for. I don't know. Like there's no reason why one is more legit than the other. It's just, no. yeah, these different groups of people have different beliefs. And even among those different religions, like we've talked about, there's still different sects in those religions where they believe something 
more specific that's a little bit different or you know people pick and choose whatever they want so none of it is any more legitimate than anything else i think but right we believe that it is and you know that's why all of these different animosities and like wars and stuff start because people think that their way is right and the other way is wrong but mm-hmm. yeah sure why aren't we gonna go and ride on some comet ufo i don't know that could happen right right sure i'll take it sounds like a good time (laughs) (laughs) maybe sounds like a great time but yeah and i don't know i think it's again the whole theme of this whole series has been just the interestingness of the fact that everybody does believe something a little bit different even if they're similar um that Mm -hmm. that one is a little bit out there as far as but again (laughs) just only in comparison to what we've been used to our whole lives hearing about, even if it's not something that we personally believe or it's not a religion that we subscribe to. We all know about heaven and hell. We all know about reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it seems wild that we'd be like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense that we're going to leave this physical life and go to like these different realms. And then we might be in like an underground series of tunnels and going into different rooms and be tortured in all these specific ways but like it's crazy to think that we're going to go on a ufo like why i know come on why is yeah why is one of those more than the other but yeah i think it's kind of fascinating Hmm. so yeah and that all kind of leads us to um basically our two versions here of non-religion anti-religion in some way is Um, agnosticism. So anybody listening who is not aware, agnostics believe that essentially it is impossible to know whether there is a God or life after death. Um, Which I would say ultimately I think is kind of where I fall in the Mm. scheme of things. I don't believe that there isn't anything like that, any higher form, but I don't know that I can know that there is or not. Um, Hmm. Yeah, the the word was originally coined by an English biologist named Thomas Henry Huxley. It comes from the ancient Greek meaning without knowledge. Um, and it was coined in 1869. He said, it simply means that a man shall not say he knows or believes that which he has no scientific grounds for professing to know or believe. Um But Hmm. the concept itself had been written about long before then, at least as far back as like the 5th century BC. So it had been a concept for a long time. It was just the word came about in the 1800s. Um, Hmm. And it also cognates, which means it has a common etymological origin with the Sanskrit word ajnasi. Terrible (laughs) pronunciations. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly it. Uh, which translates literally to not knowable or unknowable. What? Wow, we should change the name of Bas- the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think really when you... Like, we actually kind of picked the best name for the show, really, because I think that kind of sums up how we feel about a lot of this stuff that we talk about, too, where it's, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily that we strongly believe everything that we talk about we just believe that there's not enough to know whether it's real or not Mm -hmm. so exactly man we nailed it we didn't even 
try to nail it, but we did. Right. <laughs> Pretty sweet. Proud of us. Yeah, so <laughs> proud of us. We did great. So I think that's, you know, obviously somebody, who, you know, that's somebody saying, I don't know that there is or isn't a God. And I also don't know that there is or isn't an afterlife. Um, hmm. I, I mentioned in the reincarnation episode that I personally would like to believe that reincarnation is a thing. I think it sounds really nice. Right. Um, but I don't know. I don't know either way. So I'm not about to say, no, there's no way that's a thing. Um, but I'm also not ready to say that it totally is either. So that's hmm. where I'm at. I used to, I used to would believe myself an agnostic, but as I've grown older and thought more about it, I, th- I think I'm an atheist. Yeah. I think I've, I've, I've transcended into the belief that there is literally nothing. There's no, no God, no afterlife. It's just us on this rock spinning around a burning ball of hydrogen. Wow. And that's it. You get what? 50 to a hundred years if you're lucky. And yeah make the most of it because that's all you got wow that's that's deep and dark i don't think it's that deep and dark i just think it's real like it's just like i don't like stress about it it's not something that brings me anxiety i get why people use religion as a comfort thing because i get that like death and dying is scary like i know one thing for me like i have severe FOMO when it comes to like dying. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to die. And then like, you know, a year later, some wild thing happens and we invent time travel and you can go back in time or something. I don't want to, I don't want to miss that. Right. But I mean, that's life. <laughs> Everybody dies. I like how you, every living thing, your dies. FOMO went to like time travel and not like, I don't want to miss my son growing <laughs> up. <laughs> Just well, like, man, I they mean, might have been some cool saying. shit. Yeah. (laughs) Might be some cool inventions after I die. Damn it. Uh, Well, yeah, and that that leads us to atheism, which, again, if you don't know listening, um, atheists essentially just believe that there is no God and no life after death. Um, In Mm. the the broadest sense, it's the absence of belief in the existence of deities. And in a more narrower sense, it is specifically the position that there are no deities. Yeah. it was yeah. kind of interesting to see that both agnosticism and atheism, there's sort of like a essentially levels of like harder agnosticism and atheism and lighter where it's sort of like there's some on both ends where they're just like, you know, an atheist being like, nope, but there's definitely no gods, no afterlife. Everybody who thinks that is wrong. And then there's also just like, you mm. know, personally, I just don't believe that there is, but it's sort of like there's different levels of like whether you're open to that thing existing or not. Some people are really just completely closed off. Like, Nope, there's no fucking chance. Um, but yeah, Hmm. just believing that there, there's nothing. The, the root for the word atheism originated again before the fifth century BC from the ancient Greek atheos, meaning without gods. Um, so it was kind of interesting. It kind of started off as a more like pejorative term applied to those who either were thought to reject the gods worshipped by the larger society, those who were forsaken by the gods, or those who had no commitment to their belief in the gods. So it's kind of funny that like at first it was almost like an insult. Right. Like fucking atheist. <laughs> um, and then the term atheism emerged 
in the 16th century with the spread of forethought, skeptical inquiry, and subsequent increase in criticism of religion. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, I think agnostics probably get it a little easier as far as society goes, but atheists are, you know, people tend to feel as if atheists are like these shitty people, you know, that <laughs> don't believe in a God and don't have, I think essentially the belief by some, which is obviously incorrect, is that if you're an atheist, you must have no morals, like no moral compass, which right. really kind of says a lot about like, so you only have a moral compass because you're religious? Because that seems like right. a little bit delicate. Like if I wasn't worried about going to hell, I'd be like raping and murdering left and right. Yeah, like, exactly. I, like, don't, I don't need like a, a, a boogeyman of the afterlife to like force me to be a good person. Right. Yeah, it's... It's a flawed stereotype um, at best, I would say. And really, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of people who are not religious. I think more than people realize. Um, so a lot of the demographic research services don't really differentiate between the types of non-religious. So it's kind of unclear about how many actual agnostics there are. Mm. Um, but there was various different surveys that I read about that had different quantities of non-religious people in the world. Um, there was a 2010 survey published in Encyclopedia Britannica that found that 9.6% of the world's population were non-religious, which even that seemed like a lot to me, almost 10%. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and then there was a November to December 2006 poll published in the Financial Times that had rates of agnosticism in the U.S. at 14% while some European countries were even higher, 20% in Italy, 30% in Spain. Um, and then a study conducted by the Pew Research Center found about 16% of the world's population, the third largest group after Christianity and Islam, to have no religious affiliation. That's a lot of people. Yeah, and I think it's growing from what I've read about. Like it's the, especially like in the, in the United States, the, the rate of non-religious people is constantly going up mm. which oh yeah i don't think it's a terrible thing no i mean i think again like just there's more critical thinking happening by some people i think um not all people <laughs> but <laughs> i think people are just pondering the stuff more and i don't know yeah i think it's there's I hear bad stuff about both sides, definitely hear negative things about non-religious people, but there's a lot to hear negatively about religious people as well. So I think it's maybe more people are doing their own kind of deep thinking about where they want to stand and what they personally believe in and kind of customizing their beliefs a little bit more. And right. maybe it's becoming a little more socially acceptable. The more people are talking about it, I think like sort of this age of the internet probably makes a huge difference both in the ease in acquiring knowledge and information, but also the sense of community that you can find where you can read articles and talk to people who feel the same way you do and be like, Oh, this isn't that weird. And I can right. be open about this. And especially if you come from a family that believes a certain thing and you just don't, um, yeah, maybe it's just becoming more accepted in some ways. Right. Which would be good. Yeah. yeah like, I don't care what other people believe. That's like totally fine. I just know what I believe. 
which right. I guess it would come as no surprise that every episode you have like a really hard theory on what we're talking about. And I'm always <laughs> like, don't know. I could go like 10 different ways. Like that's kind of how I feel about religion too. <laughs> it's pretty on brand. It's like my approach to life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like keeping my options open. Um, but hmm. interestingly, both agnostics and atheists have reported having near death experiences, which are very similar to the reports of individuals who have professed a spiritual belief prior to their near death experience. Um, hmm. so I think most people know what this is, but a near death experience is something that people have, you know, when you're in some way close to death, typically this is something that happens. Like if, for example, you're like on the operating table or, you get into a car accident or something like that where you're like literally on death's door or even people who actually do like flatline for a short time and then come back. Um, that's kind of what they're referring to with near death experience. Um, right. But yeah, people report having like an altered state of consciousness and they experience these different traits of so this man. Raymond Moody was a, a philosopher, psychologist and a physician who published some books about life after death and near death experiences, um, which I guess near death experiences is actually a term that he coined in one of his books in 1975, a book called life after life. Whoa. Um, Whoa. And yeah, interestingly, many agnostics and atheists who have a near death experience come away from it with a changed belief system to some degree, at least, um, this man, Maurice Rawlings, who was a cardiologist and an author who wrote Christian books on near-death experiences, he reported that he didn't know of any agnostic or atheist from his research who, after having a near-death experience, remained convinced that there is no God or at least nothing else beyond our material existence. You know, something about what they saw hmm. or felt or heard in that near-death experience made them think like, oh, there actually is something beyond this, which is interesting um we that's kind of wild yeah like the fact that that could be such a profound thing and we talked a little bit before we recorded that we would have loved to dive into near-death experiences in this episode but i think we're going to save that for a whole different episode because there's just a lot to delve into there that we would not have done it justice so right um stay tuned for that at some point in the future but we're just kind of glossing over right now, but I just thought it was interesting that, um, yeah, people who have no prior belief in the afterlife, no prior commitment to that idea, I guess. So not that you can't already have an idea of what the afterlife might look like shaped by, you know, just like all of us shaped by various media and movies and all that stuff. But it's interesting that everybody who experienced it kind of has a similar, um, like similar factors in what they experience and yeah, that again, that it's so profound that you would be like, Oh shit, I was wrong. Um, I wonder. That's kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Like see, <laughs> the atheist part of my brain thinks that's just, you know, the way how if you, if you shut down a computer, no matter if it's a Mac or a windows computer, <laughs> it's going to shut down in roughly the same way. And so I wonder if it's just the same way that like when the human brain is dying and shutting down, it goes through the same steps or whatever, like the same sequence of events as it's shutting down. And those Mm. sequence of events in part 
some kind of experience on you, your consciousness. And that gets interpreted by some as the near death experience. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that is definitely one of the, the theories on near death experiences is that, you know, everybody who has one is experiencing a similar type of like neurological event. And Mm -hmm. just like, there's all kinds of different things that are like our brains are only so capable of interpreting, I guess, in a way, or like making palatable for us as humans. And it kind of relies on previous like memories and things that we have to, um, I don't even like can't even find the words for what I'm trying to say, but I think you know what I mean. Like if our brain was going through that shutting down process and then like sort of rebooting or whatever that neurologically there's like physical things happening, but in order like for us experiencing them, it's kind of manifesting in a way that doesn't feel physical. Like we're seeing it as more of a, I don't know. Oh, right. We're seeing these visions. We're seeing like memories. Yeah. So that could definitely be, be a thing too. So yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever is happening is intense enough that people are like, Oh fuck. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, that could just be our own subconscious idea of what the afterlife is. And we have been so like, it'd be interesting to know if you could have humans and have them just be like a blank slate of no previous interactions, no previous thoughts of the afterlife, no previous anything. Cause like we've read about all different kinds of afterlife. So if we had to come up with like, what do you think the afterlife is? We're drawing at least subconsciously from those different ideas that we've heard and read about. We're like, we're not coming oh, yeah. up with something completely fresh and new. It'd be interesting to see what people would think if they were a blank slate and they didn't have all of that influence. Right. Um, I have no idea. I don't think any of us will ever know. So hmm. yeah. And, uh, very timely, I just saw an article on Reddit today as I was finishing my research on the High Strangeness subreddit, which I recommend to any listeners that don't follow already. Yes. Um, so this past June, Robert Bigelow, who listeners may mm-hmm. remember from our Skinwalker Ranch suite of episodes. Um, oh, yeah. So Robert Bigelow is like this super rich weirdo and... He's the one who ended up purchasing Skinwalker Ranch eventually and basically like just pouring all of his money into like, let's find out what the fuck is going on here. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, this past June, he launched the Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies with an aim to, quote, support research into both the survival of human consciousness after physical death and based on data from such studies, the nature of the afterlife. Dude is dope. If I had tons of money, I would do shit like this, too. He's got like all this money oh, yeah. and influence and he's just like, let's just figure out all of life's mysteries. Fuck it. I love it. <laughs> Fuck it. Hmm. Um, yeah. The organization notes that even though everyone on earth will eventually die, there seems to be no serious research on being done on what actually happens when such an event occurs. Lamenting that the quote, hmm. current scientific paradigm does not treat afterlife studies seriously. The BICS argues that it is probably time to end this closed minded approach. Um, so they have launched an essay contest, quote, seeking hard evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that takes us beyond religion or philosophy and provides a body of knowledge to be brought widely into the public arena. Yeah. Like 
They're looking for papers focused on scientific evidence backed up by documentation, whether that be credible witnesses or photographic data. Um, and they're going to have a number of experts, including investigative journalist Leslie Keene and professor of religion Jeffrey Kripal, judging these papers. Um, hmm. But yeah, the competition's open to everyone, but you have to submit an essay to the BICS after you complete an application to the organization. And then you have until August 2021 to produce a paper detailing your research into the afterlife. And wow. they're going to announce a winner in November and the first place wins like half a million dollars, $500,000 with runners up wow. getting 300,000 and 150,000. So Dang. yeah, he's doing a essay contest, but he's just like determined to find out what the hell happens after we die, which I think is fascinating. And I hope that whatever he gets from this contest is more widely publicized. Cause I would love to know too. Right. Yeah. Seriously. I don't even know how you'd begin to prove that, but I guess that's why I'm not a scientist. Yeah. I have no idea. Like he's clearly looking for some serious shit and not just people to like basically give their theories. Um, but yeah, I don't know how one goes about proving beyond a reasonable doubt that they have info on what happens. I have no clue, hmm. but I don't know. I just Stay love that. Tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Like that was just such a relevant thing that I literally was just like browsing Reddit this morning thinking about this episode and then boom, I'm like, wait a second, Robert Bigelow. Holy shit. The afterlife. Like what? Friend of the show. Robert Bigelow. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, Robert, love to chat with you for an episode. Um, right. But yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. So I don't know that kind of, I think sums up what we have read and learned about basically yeah the belief systems that have no afterlife system in place that they subscribe to um right and yeah now you listeners kind of know where we stand a little bit on afterlife we've got one agnostic and one atheist over here yep yeah and they, a, i mean it's a I kinda, i'm not topic. surprised yeah no, I'm not surprised that you kind of leaned more towards atheist. I feel like you always kind of have. Yeah, I was a, a militant atheist in, in high school. I was mm. like the obnoxious kid that would challenge the teachers and whatnot. And yeah. also kind of a militant communist in high school as well. But <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I guess my my view has grown more more nuanced in the sense that I don't feel the need to proselytize my atheism. It's more of a privately held thing and what I've learned more is that like, so like part of when I was doing the research for this episode, I was trying to think about like why we have conceptions of the afterlife and why it plays such a big part in our lives. Like from like a sort of evolutionary biology perspective, like what is it about a belief in the afterlife that has propagated for so long and is present in pretty much every culture on earth? And I think the biggest reason is just that it's, it's comforting. Like we're one of the few animals that knows that we're going to die and that we kind of have no control over that. And so inventing a comforting sort of afterlife story staves off some of that existential dread. And 
I get that. And I don't want to like begrudge anybody that because dying is a very scary and very personal thing, you know? And so if somebody needs to believe in heaven or reincarnation in order to kind of like get through their day, more power to them. Right. Yeah. So I think for me, it's just, it's nice to think that there's something because definitely the idea of dying is terrifying. And I think when you get to the idea, I don't know, like I just can't get around the idea that if if there was nothing, then that means that my brain won't let go of the idea that when I die, that I'll still be conscious in some sense. And the idea of just being somewhere in darkness forever. And then I start to think about like, what does the word forever mean? You know, Hmm. like every single thing in our life has an end to it, whether it's like a cyclical end, like every day ends or, you know, eventually life will end. Eventually a season will end. Like there's everything has an ending to it. And the idea that there would be something that would never have an end. Like I can't process that. So, right. But I don't know. Processing that seems easier if I was thinking like, oh, I'm going to be in this nice place or I'm going to be cycling through life cycles forever. Like I think the fact that there's something happening at the end of it in a way, not at the end, but you know what I mean? Like you're doing something forever rather than just like floating in darkness. And I don't know. Maybe that's just because my brain can't, can't wrap around the idea that maybe I'm not conscious anymore once it's done. Like I, yeah, I think when I try to think about that, it's just like, does not compute. Just like, but (laughs) I'm going to be conscious in some way, right? Like my soul or my, I don't know. So yeah, very Hmm. unsure, unclear on what I think. I think I just, yeah, for my own comfort sake, I'm like, there's got to be something. I hope there's something. Something. I get that. I respect that. Yeah. Don't know. I guess I just, I, I have a problem when there's, when people wield the afterlife as a cudgel to control people. Like, right. I mean, the whole idea of hell and making, I, even something as simple as like the Catholic church making suicide of a mortal sin that sends you to hell just to prevent mm. people from killing themselves during the middle ages because life sucked so bad. And they're like, wait a second, if we die, we go to heaven and we don't have to live in these like shit filled streets of Europe anymore and like die of the black plague. And so they would all go commit mass suicide. So the church had to make suicide a sin so that people wouldn't kill themselves so that they could still have members of their church and wielding the idea of the afterlife as a, as almost like a weapon to coerce people to do what you want them to do. That feels shitty. And yeah. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all I got there. I just feel like that's a, (laughs) such a, such a low way to force people to do what you want them to do by threatening them with eternal damnation. Oh yeah. And we talked about it a little bit in the heaven and hell episode, the sort of the idea, um, the criticism of the idea of heaven and hell that people have so many better reasons to be good than just the idea of where they're going to go when they die. And Mm. like you said, you aren't a good person because you believe that if you aren't, something bad's going to happen in the afterlife. You just are a good person to be a good person. Um, So I do 
think that. I think, I don't know, on one hand, I'm like, if it helps people be good and be nice and be compassionate, like maybe it's not all bad. Um, right. But I wish that people just wanted to be a good person for what that means and not what it means for them. Cause like, it does kind of hmm. feel a little bit selfish in that way where it's like, Oh, I'm being good because I want to have like a good afterlife. I want to right. go to a good realm when I'm reincarnated or I want to go to heaven when I die or whatever. Um, then that feels like you're just kind of living up to this vision of what you're supposed to be so that something good will happen to you and not for the good that you're going to do while you're on earth just because you want to be good. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, those are kind of my my afterlife thoughts, I think. It's like just be Same. good to be good. And maybe there's something, maybe there's don't not. Be an I don't know. Yeah, just don't be an asshole. Yeah, I pretty much think that every day of my life about somebody or other. It's never you, though. It's never, like, people actually in my life. There's just always somebody that I see somewhere doing something where I'm just like, just don't be a dick, guy. Just don't be a dick. Right. It's usually easier to not be an asshole. Yeah, exactly. It takes some effort to be an asshole. So... Yeah, just don't do that. And don't do that not because you're going to go to hell if you do. Just, like, don't do it because people don't like when people are assholes. Feels bad, yeah. man. Feels bad, Don't man. make people feel bad. <laughs> Come on. So, yeah. I think that that kind of nicely wraps up our, our afterlife thoughts is just don't be an asshole. Right. That's what it comes down to. Because there might be a hell, yeah. but if even if there's not a hell, you'll still be a good person when you die and... They will remember, they'll laugh about your life in a good way. Not like laugh at your life, but like laugh oh, wow. nicely about your life at your funeral. That sounds really bad. <laughs> they will chuckle you know nicely mean. about your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They will tell yeah, amusing will anecdotes good about, about, about your you. escapades. Yeah. It's going to be great. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, listeners, we would love to know. What you think? Do you fall into one of these groups of heaven and hell or reincarnation? Or are you somewhere outside of that? Do you feel the way Gray does that there's just nothing at the end? Do you feel the way I do where you're like, maybe? I don't know. We want to know. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? Not sure. But yeah, we want to know what you feel, what you think, what do you hope is at the end. Uh, yeah, tell us about it. And... Yeah. Once again, this episode is, yeah, the third of three in this series. You should definitely listen to part one and two if you haven't. Um, and for a third yeah. time, happy very late birthday now to Alexandria Lake, who these episodes were for. Um, yes. Thank you for inspiring us to finally do this series. But uh, yeah, yeah, we'll be back next time with out. some other topic. We're not sure quite yet, but there's going to be something <laughs> cool. Mm. coming soon I promise it's all cool always it's all cool. always something yeah. cool alright well this was part three of the afterlife and this was unknowable unknowable love you <laughs> <laughs>